0: on
1: on this week's TMI I will introduce you to the bad blood boys two young men who need your help to raise a lot of money for LLS and my work husband sits down for a serious conversation about heart health TMI, TMI with Teresa. I have a very special interview coming up on the second half of my show this morning. I'm sitting down with my radio partner of over 20 years, my work husband, if you will, Ronnie Rocket. He wants to share his story about heart health, and this is a big deal because he is normally very, very private when it comes to this type of thing. But he recently had heart surgery, It was a big scare for him, for me, for all of the people that love him. And he wants to share it because he knows that it could save somebody's life. But first, I want you to meet two very special young men, Brent Smith and Caleb Kamichek. They are both high school students who were nominated for Students of the Year, and they're raising money for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. They have a really, really big goal that they're trying to achieve and some really creative thinking outside of the box ideas to reach this goal. Their campaign just kicked off this past Thursday, and it was inspired by a family friend.
2: Her name is Emily Dummler. She's my mom's good friend. Um, they've known each other for quite a while. And she was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma back in 2013, and she had a really, uh, really tough battle, really inspiring story. It was looking like she wasn't going to make it. And then there was one spot left in this clinical trial. So she got that one last spot, and that saved her life. And that clinical trial is mostly funded by LLS. So she started to do a lot of work with LLS and um, she ran for woman of the year campaign after she was cleared and she won that back in 2013 or 2014. And then, um, so she kind of has worked a lot with LLS and she nominated me and uh, I knew Brent would be a good person to ask to help me.
1: You know, a lot of kids at school, I'm going to sell candy. I'm going to do something. I have a feeling that you have bigger aspirations than that.
0: Oh yeah, we do. We're doing a, a lot of different things. The first thing we're doing is we're just trying to get exposure, like our our distributor name out there. We sent letters and emails on Thursday it was just to kick off our campaign to all of our friends and family. And we asked them to forward it on to 50 other people. And we're trying to get a chain going, get people aware of our, of our cause. We have a Facebook account. It's Bad Blood Boys for LLS that we're trying to get people to share. But we're also doing other things like we are doing a dung drop is one of our biggest events. Wait, I'm sorry. Say that again. <laughs> I know it's funny. It's, it, <laughs> it's called a dung drop. Dung as in in, D-U-N-G. As in poop. poop. (laughs) Okay. It's kind of a unique event, but we thought it could be a cool thing we're doing. So basically how it works, it's like a 10 by 10 grid of squares, and people bid um, or buy squares, and then whichever, there's like, everyone comes out, it's going to be like a big event on March 28th. Okay. And then whichever square, the cow poops in first, wins. So cows are going to do it. Cows are going to poop. Not us. Those
1: are going to be giant. Gy- <laughs> I was hoping it wasn't you know, I thought maybe cats or dogs. Okay. All right. Where'd you get that idea?
2: Last year, uh, there was two girls who won the Students of the Year campaign for our area, and they did that. It was really successful for them. And so we were inspired by that. And um, we just happened to know someone who owns cows. and
1: Just happened to know someone. <laughs> yeah.
2: They said they'd be willing to do this. Great location for it, too. So we're really excited for that one.
0: You can go to fundly, F-U-N-D-L-Y dot com slash dungdrop, D-U-N-G-D-R-O-P. That one is on March 28th. We're also doing a March Madness tournament. Our campaign is right through March, and one of the biggest events that's in March is March Madness tournament, so we thought we could take advantage of that. I think the March Madness tournament opens up on like the 15th of March, and we're releasing more information about that on our Facebook account when it gets nearer, but basically we're just going to ask people to join our CBS group and talk about for, specifically for our cause. And all money will just go to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. It's just like a March Madness bracket challenge.
1: Is there something, because I know both of you are very active in your schools, and I hear you're going to do big things when you graduate. You <laughs> have big aspirations for your future. Um, is this doing something for scholarships?
0: You know, I don't have the direct relationship that Caleb has with it. But, you know, after hearing Emily's story, and, you know, I'm involved at school, like I'm in student council, I'm in pep club, science olympiad, I just... I know, I've been looking for like a greater cause that I could be a part of because I mean, those things—I mean—it makes the school a better place, but it's not really having a dramatic effect on our community. And when I heard about Emily's story, I really thought this could be a. Really good opportunity to make a difference in our community.
1: I know this has been a process because I've been talking to you for a while. It's not like you said, hey, let's do a fundraiser. And then you started the next day. It's a pretty big task. Tell me how it's been going.
2: Well, we started back in the fall. I've been doing uh, this for like six months now. (laughs) Yeah, it's...
1: Welcome uh, to the world of fundraising. yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we put in so much time we're thinking about it just like on like if we were going to we had a lot of community service hours for national honor society and we're like we didn't even mean to do this but we probably have like 300 400 community service hours just from this since like september which is stupid i mean it's all it's for an amazing cause
1: it's yeah just but you like, don't realize how much you don't realize up. how much yeah. time we've
0: put into this
2: i so. feel thankful i'm not doing a sport right now how <laughs>
1: <laughs> Feel though when you actually look at it on paper and realize how much time and effort you have put into it.
2: It makes me feel proud and I just hope that all of our time going into it's gonna be worth it in the end. I don't really care too much about winning. I mean, I mean we're both pretty competitive guys, but like winning is not the it's not the end goal for us. We just wanna raise as much money as possible because after getting to know like a little bit more about LLS and what they do, they do so much and they're just they save Emily's Emily's life, so that's really inspiring for me and I want to raise as much money f- for more stories like that in the future.
1: So let's go over the timeline then. So you just kicked off your campaign. You've got all these events in March. So tell me how long we have for people to help you. Cause the point of this is we want people to contribute and we want you to, I want you to win. Oh, <laughs> I want yeah. you to help, but I also <laughs> want you to raise the most.
0: <laughs> so our fundraising goal is 75 grand. Really Say that really
1: slow, because I'm I'm talking to high schoolers. I want to remind you guys, you know, my kids, I'm happy if they could even get enough money for their Disney trip at school, which they <laughs> didn't, by the way. We're going to talk. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but I mean, $75,000, I mean, that's a huge goal. So we really need you to to make that goal. But so how long do you have?
0: OK, so our campaign started this Thursday. Uh, I think that's that was February 13th. Um, we have till April 2nd to raise these funds. We have a few small goals in mind, like we're trying to raise 20 grand just by like personal asks so this is just like word of mouth donating to our gofundme page which is uh bad blood boys for lls but basically our two the two big dates to remember is march 28th is our dung drop we need 100 families to join us um and buy squares which are 100 bucks a piece to reach our goal of 10 grand for that event and then march madness which the bracket opens up on march 15th but you'll be able to buy tickets beforehand for the tournament other than that like just keep donating to our campaign checking out our Facebook page. There'll be many opportunities for you to help us out there. So,
1: Okay. Just in closing, is there anything you guys want to say to people who are listening as far as donating or maybe just other kids your age that think they can't do big (laughs) things because they're too young?
2: I'd like to say to everyone, um, most people have been personally affected by some form of cancer. We all have terrible stories, but I really just want to create more stories like Emily's, which was brought to her and us by LLS and um, donating to our campaign is a really good way for that to happen. So thank you for your generosity.
1: Remember that you can find all of the details about these activities so that you can participate. You can help them raise money and really contribute to their campaigns. They put a lot of work into it. Find these guys on Facebook, Bad Blood Boys, LLS. Okay, up next, my radio partner, Ronnie Rocket. Last year, we almost lost him. There's no other way to say it. We almost lost him when he found out that he had a heart condition. He was off work for a really long time. I know his listeners who have been hearing him on the radio for over 20 years were worried about him, had a lot of questions, didn't know what exactly was happening. And he normally is very private about this kind of stuff, but he wanted to share his story so that he could just help one person, if that's all it does, just one person.
3: It was a scary time in my life, life. not going to lie to you.
1: Let's go back to the beginning. So first of all, we have to paint a picture that we've always kind of teased you for like living in a bubble, like you always get Mm -hmm. sick and you seem like you always have something wrong with you. So I feel like that's why when you had been sick off and on all summer in 2019, we didn't really think twice about it because you were real sick. You had pneumonia right? and you had a couple of days where you would come in and just be coughing, but it just kind of seemed like that's who you are.
3: And I, I think you get used to it. People who have had asthma and have had breathing problems, you don't know any different. So you don't know how to maybe react to say that this is, this is worse than it should be.
1: So what was the moment where you said, I feel like I need to go to the emergency room?
3: Uh, I thought about it probably uh, two weeks prior to that. I was tired more than normal as far as breathing, like literally walking. I was talking to a friend of mine, my attorney and a good friend, Al. Uh, who had the same thing where he would walk up to go somewhere and he would stop and act like you're talking on the phone because physically you couldn't go any further. And that happened to me when we were just walking here at work. And it got to the point I'm going, there's something wrong. Then I remember laying in bed and I was going, this is it. I, I felt that I had, I had no strength. I couldn't breathe. And I was like thinking, I knew there was something wrong. And I started putting things in order thinking, I'm not going to make it. And it was all because of the breathing. And then my body swelled because, you know, my heart was was quitting on me.
1: If you were actually to the point where you said to yourself, this is it, and you started putting things in order, why at that moment did you not go to the hospital?
3: I ended up uh, going th- a week or two later. I think a lot of it is you think it's going to go away. You start reading like on the internet, like, you know, if you elevate your feet, you know, this is going to help. Don't do that. Don't go looking online and on the Internet thinking you're going to find that help because you're not. The only way you're going to find out is if you go to the doctor.
1: Sometimes also WebMD can be so dangerous (laughs) because you think you have something you don't or you just misdiagnose. So you went to the ER and then if I remember correctly, didn't you go and then you went home and you thought you'd be okay for a few days, but then you realize, okay, this is bad. Yeah, I I I went
3: to the ER. I want to say on the weekend. And I told Jen, because I didn't want her to freak out. I had to let her know what's going on. Your daughter. Yeah. And then so I was there and it was like, they the nurses told me, you're probably going to go into the hospital. And the doctor looked at it and he didn't know. It was one of those things he just, nobody knew because I, I was talking okay, even though it took me, I would say 10 minutes to walk from my car to the ER. Then they got me in and he goes, let's just try this. And then I called my daughter, took a picture. One of her, I uh, one of Josh's relatives was a doctor. He looked at it and he goes, "No." And then Jen goes, dad, you go go back. And I went back to my doctor. Then they put me in the hospital immediately.
1: So when you say looked at it, are you talking about how swollen you were because you were retaining fluid in your ankles? In one, really and, and it was in
3: one leg, and that's another one of the signs. When one one when, when one limb is swelling up, that's a big sign. I was showing him the medicine. They're going. He that was really strong with a lot serious of serious medicine. Yes, yeah. so okay. then I, you know, went in and it was like everything just started crumbling, and that's when I knew that I my body was failing. When I got there, I knew that that something bad and serious was wrong.
1: So I remember you left work that day. You said you were going back to the hospital, and then you texted and said they're checking me in. I'm right. going to stay here. So what did you think when they said you have a condition and you have to have heart surgery? What was your first thought?
3: First, start. Uh, first thought was honestly. It's 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 too much money. It's going to cost all this cash. I don't want my daughter to be burdened with any of this stuff. And even you, have you have insurance. I have insurance. You have yes. very good insurance. So that that's the thing that goes through your mind. How's my daughter going to be? I don't want her to worry about any of it. I'll be okay. I I've had a good run at life, and that's exactly what's going through my brain. I I had it. I don't want her to be seeing me like this or struggling. And did then you my, really
1: think that and almost consider I did. not
3: doing it? Yeah, I did. Wow. And then talking to Jen and that's when she goes and she looked at me and she was stronger than I was and she goes, dad, you know, one day I'm going to want to have kids, grandkid and I want you there and that's when I was like, okay, you know, you know, Jen and I'm like, she goes, dad, you can fight this. She goes, you know, you were younger, you were an athlete, you're a fighter, you can do this and I'll never forget those words. She goes, Dad, you're a fighter. And then that's when I said, uh, You talk to the doctors. And she did. She took over. And and that's when I said, I'm not going to give up.
1: Stop making me cry. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, but I can understand you not wanting to burden her. But as a daughter, um, I think having my dad around more is important. Like, I don't care how many bills I have, I'd want my dad to be around. And that's and, how she felt.
3: And that's exactly what she told me. And I was, and that's when I said, Okay. And then she talked to the doctors, and she explained it to me, and you know, kind of like you know how to speak rocket. She knows how to <laughs> spe- she knows how to speak dad, and I think the the deal is, says dad, be a fighter. I want I want you here. Don't think about money. Don't think about this. And she goes think about me, and she's all I think about every day. Anyway, before I was sick. So it gave me the strength to go on. And, and I want to share this with a lot of people. And I'm going to be uh, working on some other projects in the future to always give back to people that gave me life. And I'm not going to take it for granted. And I, you know, Teresa, you've known me for many years. When you get behind that microphone and you you love talking to this city, I, I, I felt that, that I was invincible. Nobody is invincible. You know, you see athletes that... Uh, that, that fall on the playing field, you know. You had a St. Louis Blues guy that that at, at, just at, collapse, yeah, yeah just collapsed, and that stuff happens. And you just can't take your bodies for granted, and and don't think because I don't have insurance, I don't know this. There's other means to get by and get your body looked at. But it, it changed my life to where now little problems like, like like I said, you've known me for a long time, would stress me out, and you had found a way to calm me down. Now these little things they don't mean anything to me. I mean, they do all find a solution. Like you've always been calm. I've learned to calm that down because I can't afford to get stressed out.
1: I've really, really noticed that actually. Nothing seems to faze you. You seem very positive about anything. If we're just kind of being silly and maybe you know teasing somebody or joking about somebody you are like you know well maybe they just don't understand like you're always on their side yeah <laughs> you're just really everything is glass half full with you now
3: it it has to be and i think because i i had to get through it and I, and i see things different i've always had that problem of being very empathetic uh you've even said that with girlfriends and wives i just i like to take <laughs> you like care of i like yeah. to rescue people but this way i just i don't want to rescue i want to save and i think because don't give up. I gave up, and if it was not for my daughter and I was alone by myself and she had not flown and she did on her own, yeah. I would have given
1: up. See, I didn't know that about you. I can't believe that I wasn't enough for you. No, you, you, you were. <laughs> I, I, I just you're you're
3: in that deal and you're in there by yourself, and all these things start going through your mind. And I remember talking to my primary doctor, and. Uh, Without giving any, doc- to all the doctors in North Kansas City Hospital, my primary thank you for what you guys do. I know you have a life, but you care about your patients. I told him, I said, man, something's wrong. Not just my I just, I don't feel right. I feel sad. I feel alone. I mean, I was in the hospital almost a month. And I talked to my daughter every day. I became very good friends with the nurses. And I would listen to their problems. And they would make sure I was okay. And that's, you know, I'd, I, I got depressed. And then I talked to my doctor. And he goes, you know. Ninety percent of people who go through that have that. It's kind of like I went through that syndrome of, you see stuff on the news and you see things happen and you go, why are they gone and I'm still here? Because I kept thinking, you know, I've I've done I've done good for myself. I've raised a daughter who's you know who's married now and, and I'm thinking I would be okay with letting go because of that. And that's when she convinced me. Like I told you earlier, she wants me here. Mm-hmm. Those are the best words I've ever heard in my entire life.
1: You got a lot of support um, from Kansas City, from just people who have listened to you for 20 years. And, you know, we um, we tried to keep your privacy as much as we could, but we just kind of updated them, letting them know that you were in the hospital, you have to have surgery. I know that you were at least looking on social media messages and stuff. How did that make you feel?
3: It made me cry at first, and then I stopped And then as Jen kept checking on me, come on, dad, you're a fighter. You can do this because I had to wait to get my surgery. Then I started reading it and I'm going, this is really cool. You know, you would see like a a couple. I'm not one to really too often look at how many people are reading it. Then I would see it wasn't that I wasn't reading it or they just kept coming in and coming in and coming in. And it just it it kept me going. And there's times I would be up in the middle of the night because I wake up. And they, you know, they would take my blood and I would go through and read them again and read them again and read them again, because it, it's like, you know, we come in here and we do our jobs. Like I said earlier, I feel like I'm invincible, but we talked to a city and they were talking to me for once. You know, when you're in here and you're on the air and you talk and you make people happy, you're talking to them. But when they're talking to you, even if it's via text, it meant the world to me. I'm going, people really care. And that that was an amazing feeling. It's like, they care about me. Mm-hmm. And that was a good feeling. And when you're in the hospital by yourself, it's a big deal. It meant the world to me.
1: Let's talk a little bit about what you went through just so people can know if they need to go to the doctor. Because you didn't have a heart attack. No. Turns out that you actually were born. Right with um, something missing from your heart
3: by cuspid i was born without uh, the easiest way to explain that the doctor told me uh was uh, say our mercedes logo they have like the, the, the line they have like three parts to it right i was born with two so i just had instead of the three little valves i had two well one valve quit it was congestive heart failure my heart gave out so my body was giving out and the, one of the signs is swelling of one limb. And I didn't know it because, you know, my one leg got extremely large. And that, it became a concern of you and Tara when you saw it. Right. And I wasn't paying attention to it. And then I couldn't breathe. And then I had trouble sleeping. So if you're looking around, if you're laying in bed and you're having trouble breathing and stuff, and you're using a bunch of different pillows to get comfortable, that's a sign. If you can't breathe and you're walking short distances, you know, short distances that's a sign. If your body's swelling, that's a sign. There were so many signs I'd overlooked because like you said earlier, I was born this way. And and even the doctors, they were like surprised that I am here.
1: Yeah. How come no one ever caught this?
3: I I don't know. I think as I got older, it became a heart murmur and then they started looking into it. But then- Do you think
1: it was like, let's say your heart was perfect, like it should be. Right. Do you think you would have you know one of them was blocked so you would have started having congestive heart failure anyways but yours was worse because you only had two valves and so that's why they discovered it
3: you know i, I don't know that uh but i would i would guess to but i think anybody that has heart failure congestive heart failure you're going to swell you're going to have trouble breathing if you're it's walking, not like
1: in the movies always where you know how they grab their arm no, oh it's not that no, obvious no
3: it's literally it it'll happen and it'll it'll be long term and if you have a, mar- a heart murmur Get it checked out because that's when mine picked up and I knew when I went back to the doctor and goes, oh, we still hear the little heart murmur, but you can hear the blood flowing and the test. I remember going in, uh, it was about about a month ago and they did the same test they did when I was in the hospital and you could hear your heartbeat and the blood flowing Mm -hmm. and when I was in the hospital... It wasn't flowing that good. Really? And then the the strength came back. And I told you on some of my tests and stuff, I was able, I was breathing like 1.98% and then 99 and almost 100%. This is the type of breathing I have never had in my entire life.
1: I know it's crazy. You do have asthma. That was not a misdiagnosis, but it seems like it's not as bad as we thought. And all of the issues that we thought all these years that I've known you, you know, 27 years that we thought was asthma, Really, some of it was from your heart. Mm -hmm. It's crazy.
3: (laughs) And even though I was born with my, a lot of it can be hereditary. It could skip a generation. Like the minute my daughter found out what was going on with me, she scheduled an appointment and she's very young to schedule an appointment for her to find out. So if you have a history of heart problems in your family, it's okay. And don't be afraid. Get it checked out.
1: It's better to know. Um, also, I want to point out something and I don't know exactly why maybe they didn't find it, but this is my theory Okay. because um, you're a lot like me. I go to the doctor, you know, I have to go all the time for different things. It's for because I'm, uh, you know, a, a med check every couple of months or because I'm, you know, getting something for my kids or whatever. And I think uh, you were the same way. You were always going in because you had to go in for asthma Right. Or you had to go in for this and that and that. And when you're there at the doctor office that often, you don't always think, hey, I need to schedule a physical like for women, I'm constantly, I have my OBGYN appointment and You're so right. I have all these appointments. So in my heart, I'm thinking, <laughs> I shouldn't have said heart. In my mind, I'm thinking, hey, I go to the doctor all the time. They're checking my blood pressure. They're weighing me. They're listening to my heart. They're checking my lungs. I'm fine. But when you have a physical every year, they do an EKG. They check other things that they don't normally do at these other visits. And so that's what I'm thinking. Did, were you, did you have annual physicals?
3: Uh, not as much as I should. I'd say I'd go maybe once every couple of years, but the AKG wouldn't have picked it up. Oh really? Yeah. It was, it was an echogram that went in and actually showed it. There's so many, like there's a lot of kids that are born with this and they have surgery at a very young age. It's hard to tell, but if it's in your family, go and get it, just get it checked. I didn't know. I really didn't. But you're right about a physical, talk to your doctor about more Mm -hmm. things. If you're concerned, especially if you have a history but you're right. I mean, certain tests will not pick it up. But technology has come so far um, with 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 dealing with your heart. And I don't know how these doctors do it. I think I've told you because I spent more time in the hospital prior to getting ready for surgery than I did actually when having the surgery.
1: Yeah, the day you had your surgery, I think you went home the very next day before the, lunch it or something. Was a, it was crazy.
3: Yeah, it was about a day and a half. <laughs> and, of course, I had to rest and I, I had people to help taking care of me. But you're right. It's, it's just... Knowing your body, and my daughter put a post up that I read over and over, and I still read it today about knowing your body and getting checkups and listening to it because it could happen so fast, and it happened so fast with me. Uh, meaning, in my brain, it happened so fast, although it had been going on for so long because I didn't get it checked out. I didn't, you know, even t- think to talk to the doctor. I was thinking that I was having trouble breathing because it was asthma. It wasn't asthma. It was my heart, and I almost died because of that.
1: So, just in closing, what do you want to say to uh, someone who maybe is scared to go to the doctor, or maybe just to all of the people that supported you and lifted you up when you were sick?
3: I would say look around, uh, look around your family and your life and realize what you wake up for every day. Don't think about the stress in your life, don't think about your bills, think about your loved ones. You know your kids, your brothers, your sisters, your husband, and your wife, and realize that that's what makes you happy in life, not the other things that are going to cause you stress. Uh, Find the ways to ease that stress, and realize that you need to be there for them. And staying alive is your number one priority. We have one life, and one life only. Take care of your body, take care of yourself, so you can take care of them. Love your heart, love yourself, love your family. Uh, Just. Just be happy and enjoy life. Try not to let the little things bother you and talk to somebody. Talk to a doctor because this could happen to you. I thought it would never happen to me, and it did. If I can save one person out there listening, then we did what we set out to do. And I told you before, and I'll say it again here. Thank you, Teresa, for letting me have this platform to talk to Kansas City.
1: You're welcome. It's my pleasure, and I'm glad that you're still here to do it. So am I. For more information about heart health, you can go to heart.org for the American Heart Association. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. I know that this show really meant a lot because um, Caleb and Brent, they've been working really hard on their project for a long time now. And I know that Rocket really, really wanted to share his story and it means a lot to him. So thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. For more info on any of the stuff we talked about today, or if you have an idea, someone's story that you think is inspirational that needs to be shared, go to tmiwithteresa.com. Remember to be kind, do good, pass it on.